0: Can be new life. Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Good morning, and welcome to Next Gen Weekend. I want to start off by just saying thank you so much for supporting us, young leaders. This is a really great opportunity for us to just practice the gifts that the Lord has given us, and we need the opportunity. So thank you. You're the reason that we are able to do this. You're the ones who support us. So just thank you. We really, really appreciate it. I'm Jasmine again. I'm from Colorado, and I moved here about a year and a half ago. And I came to do the immersion discipleship program here at New Life. And I really have loved it. It has been a blessing. And Oregon is beautiful. I'm getting used to the weather. I'm learning to just embrace the rain. And slowly but surely, it's, it's happening. I'm liking it. It's a good thing. But Oregon is beautiful. And I've just been so blessed by this church. And I've been so blessed by the way that you have made me a part of your family. And you're the reason that I've been keep on keep it on. So thank you so much. I know that our church has been in a a theme in John and we've been talking about what it means to return to our first love. And so I want to continue with that theme this morning. And we're going to look at a, a passage in John 13 where Peter and Jesus have a very important conversation. But before we start that start reading that. I just want to remind us of Peter and just start to reflect on who Peter was and the kind of man that he was. Most of us probably remember that he was the man who walked on the water with Jesus. Peter was also the man who was rebuked by Jesus. Peter was the man who cut off a soldier's ear in an attempt to save Jesus from his arrest. Peter was the one who denied Christ 3 times and then was reunited with Christ when he ate breakfast with him by the sea. And when I think of Peter, I just remember and reflect on he just loved Jesus. He did. He had a passion to serve the Lord, but it was that passion that he just didn't know what to do with sometimes. And he often had some struggles. (laughs) And so if you would open your Bibles with me to John 13, starting in verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. And before we look any deeper into this passage, I just want to talk for a moment about the background of the feet washing. In that time, it was normal and completely expected that the servant of the household would wash the guest's feet. And that was just due to the dirt and the soil that they would walk on to get to the house. And so the the disciples would have expected to have their feet washed. And so when Jesus washed their feet, it would have gotten their attention because Jesus wasn't the servant of the household, and he did it after the meal instead of before. So Jesus did something out of the ordinary. He wanted his disciples to listen to what he was about to teach them. The supper that they were at was one of the last moments that Jesus would spend with his disciples It was one of his last opportunities to talk to them, and he just wanted them to listen. This message was so special to him. So he does something out of of the ordinary to get their attention. And as he's going down the line and he's washing his disciples' feet, he comes to Peter, and they have an encounter. Peter says, no, you can't wash my feet. And as I was thinking about this, I realized that Peter didn't want his feet to be washed by Jesus because Peter thought he was supposed to be the one to serve Jesus. Peter was used to that. He loved serving Jesus, but he was so in love with serving Jesus that he almost missed out on what Jesus wanted to teach him. Because in this moment, Jesus had something to teach Peter about the greater purpose of his life. And so Jesus teaches Peter a lesson and he teaches him about daily cleansing. If you look at verse 10 with me, it says, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you, disciples, are clean. Many of us know the story when Jesus was sent to earth by the Father to come and die on a cross for each of our sins. And then he rose from the dead three days later. And many of us know that when we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts that that is true, that we have been forgiven by God. That our slates have been wiped clean. We've been made righteous in the sight of God. We've been made clean. But we still have this issue. And the problem is that we still exist in the world. We still exist in a sinful world and we have been exposed to sin And so we may be forgiven, but there's still things in our hearts that need to be changed. Our bodies are completely clean, but our feet need to be washed still. Our feet need to be washed from the daily dirt that we see and walk on every single day in this world. Romans 8.29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, We still need cleansing. We need healing and we need tweaking. God wants to bring us into completeness. He has saved us and he wants to continue saving us every single day. But so often, aren't we so much like Peter? We have a heart to serve the Lord. We want to. But sometimes we can get so focused on working for Jesus that we completely forget the work he wants to do in us that that is his goal. He wants to work in us. And what we need to remember is that Jesus did not come to this earth to hire us as his employees. He came to the earth to save us completely. He came to the earth to heal our hearts. He came to the earth to to heal us from insecurity. He wants to heal our pride. He, He wants to heal the anger in our hearts. He wants to work in all those areas. That's his desire, to work in us. And so when I read this passage, I was wondering why Jesus would choose this particular instance to teach the disciples a lesson on daily cleansing. Because this was a moment before his own disciple would betray him. It was soon before he would be crucified on a cross before the disciples would be sent out as apostles. And I wondered, why didn't you choose this opportunity to teach a lesson on sacrifice or faithfulness or loyalty? It just makes a lot more sense. But he chooses to teach a lesson on daily cleansing. And I think he chose to do this because he needed his disciples to know that they weren't done yet. That no matter what happened, no matter what chaos occurred, Jesus still had a work he wanted to do in their hearts. No matter what great leaders they would be, and they would be great leaders, he wanted them to know that there was still a transforming process that was going to happen in their hearts every single day. And he wanted his disciples to commit fully and wholeheartedly to the work Christ wanted to do in them. Because it is only when we fully commit to the work Christ wants to do in us that we will ever be able to see the fullness of Christ's love through us because it's, it's his perfect and extravagant love that causes us to be changed in the first place. And if we ever want to know Christ's love more, we have to commit to the work he wants to do in us because that's where it exists. That's when we really see how much he loves us when we ask him to work in us. And we don't ask him to work in us because he's dissatisfied with us. We ask him to work in us because he knows it is best for us to be made more like him. It is best for us to be made more complete in him and for his character character to be formed in us. It's best for us. It's because he loves us that he wants to work in us. Last year, I had gone home to Colorado for a couple of days and I had been flying back and I had just been spending some time with the Lord and I looked out my window and for a moment I just completely forgot where I was coming from I couldn't remember if I was leaving Colorado or Oregon and I was just in this state of confusion just for this small moment and in that moment the Lord really spoke to me and he said Jasmine you have forgotten where you have come from And I was brought back to Eden, and I was reminded of Adam and Eve and the perfect unity that they walked with in in the Lord, that there was nothing that separated them from God. And I realized that that is where we're from. That is our purpose. That's what we were meant for, was to walk with the Lord in perfect unity. And then we fell, and then sin came, and there's so much that separates us from him. But becoming like Christ means that we are coming closer and closer to being in perfect unity with him. And I think really, to return to our first love means that we would day by day, moment by moment, let Christ change us. Because he is the only one who can bring us back to where we have come from. To bring us back to that original place. That if we would in every single moment, whether we're driving or cooking or cleaning or taking care of the kids or whatever it is, that in every single moment we would let the Lord change us. And so in light of all this, knowing that Jesus wants to change us and he wants to work in us, I know that that's a pretty overwhelming thought. And so I want to just suggest three practical things that we can do to allow that process to start to happen in our lives. When I look at the story of Peter in John 13, I notice that there is a process that had to happen for him. He had to go to a place of, I do not want my feet to be washed, to, okay, Lord, wash my feet. Something had to happen in his heart. And the first thing that Peter had to do in order for this process to happen was he had to pay attention Peter wasn't understanding what Jesus was trying to tell him because he wasn't paying attention. He wasn't looking to learn. He was looking to demonstrate what he thought he already knew. And if Peter had paid attention, he would have understood. And I think a problem that we often have is we don't realize how much God is trying to speak to us. He has so much to reveal to us, He has so much to say about our hearts. He has so much to say about what he wants to do in our lives. He has so much work he wants to do in our lives. But we often just don't know it because we're not paying attention. And I want to reflect back to a moment when Peter denied Christ for the third time. Many of us may know the story, but the Bible says that when he denied Christ for the third time, a rooster crowed and Peter wept bitterly. And I just can't imagine the brokenheartedness that Peter must have felt when he realized what he had done. When he looked face to face with his failure and he was all of a sudden completely aware of the condition of his heart. He was completely conscious of the things that Jesus had been trying to tell him. And it hurt. And I think, I know for me, I often don't pay attention to the Lord because I know that he might reveal something that is really ugly about me, and it's scary, and I don't want to look at it. But for Peter, this was a moment where he turned to the Lord. Later on in his life, when Jesus rises from the dead, he shows up on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he sees the boat that Peter is in. And when Peter sees him, he jumps out of his boat and he swims all the way to Jesus. And it was this beautiful moment of reconciliation. And I just can't imagine how happy he must have been to know that he could be reconciled to Jesus. It was a turning point in his life. And if we would pay attention to what the Spirit is saying to us about our hearts, it will be a turning point in our life as well. In Revelation Chapters 2 and 3, Jesus talks to seven churches. And when he talks to them, he reveals to them the condition of their churches. And he reveals to them the positive things. But he also reveals the negative things. And at, every, at the end of every single church, he says this. He says, he who has an ear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. And I think Jesus is saying the same to us. If you have an ear, would you listen to what I am saying about this condition of your heart? Because he has something to say. At the beginning of each year of ID, we all go on a nine hour walk in the wilderness. And this year, we, were, we came back from our walks and we were talking and we were sharing our stories and we were laughing because it always seems that when we go on these walks, every single thing we see, we automatically make it a metaphor about God. No matter what it is, we come across a log on the ground and think, oh my gosh, God, what are you saying? Or a pine cone falls on your head and you're thinking, oh my gosh, God is speaking to me. Every single thing. And it's so silly sometimes when you really think about it, but it's beautiful because we're paying attention to the Lord. We really are. And we're not walking around the wilderness for nine hours just for the sake of walking around the wilderness for nine hours. We really just want to hear God's voice in our lives. In every single experience, we're just asking him, Lord, what are you saying? And I think that what if we lived our lives like that? what if in every moment we said, Lord, what are you saying? What are you teaching me? Because God exists in every single moment. He doesn't just exist in the spiritual moments with him. He exists when we're cooking. He exists when we're driving. And he wants to be a part of every moment. And so if we would just tune in and listen to what the Spirit is saying in every moment, then we would know so much more about where he wants to take us. And I also realized that part of paying attention is that when the Lord speaks to us, we have to admit that what he's saying is true. This is what had to happen with Peter when when Jesus said to him, if I do not wash you, you have no place with me. When Jesus said that to him, he had to hear it, but he also had to admit, admit that that was true. And I think honesty, what honesty really is, is just letting Jesus see the real you. Just letting him see you with nothing kept in hiding. That's what Peter had to do. It's the courage to just say, I do need my feet washed. I am proud. I am angry. I am broken. I am hurting. It's the courage to say those things to the Lord because that's what he wants to hear from us. He's not interested in all the things that we have together. He wants to know what we don't, because that's what he came to do. He came to save us. He came to complete us and heal us, but he can't even touch us unless we let him see us for real, for real, for real. He can't touch us unless we really let him see us. First John 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Walking in the light is bringing all our, short, all our shortcomings before the Father unashamed. It's owning the things we know are wrong in us and knowing that he is great enough to change us. Knowing that he loves us in spite of us, and he values us for exactly what we are, wherever we are. My dad is a pastor, and so my whole life I've grown up, and I've heard him telling stories about me on stage, just like this. And so I have to take this opportunity, and I'm going to tell you a story about him. (laughs) And (laughs) so my dad is a very... He's a wonderful man, and I got his permission to tell this story, just so you know. But he's, he's very smart, and he's on his way to getting his doctorate's degree. And he's a great man, but if you know him, you will find that he is incapable completely of fixing anything, building anything, running any type of machinery. It's not a good situation. It should never happen. It's scary. So knowing this... One year around Christmas time, my family and I decided to go to our four square camp and we were just going to spend a couple of days together and we wanted to cut down our own Christmas tree. It was the first time we'd ever done that. So one morning, we chose that morning to go get our Christmas tree and we were walking around the forest and it was so beautiful and it it was just a precious time and we were looking for our perfect tree. And so finally we found it and we decided that this was the one that we wanted to cut down. So my dad, chainsaw in hand, starts to walk towards this tree. And you can tell that he is excited because it's not every day that he gets to use such high-tech machinery. And so he, this is a proud moment for him. It may be the last time it ever happens. And he's about to show his family that he's a real man. So he goes towards this tree and it's a very climactic moment. We're all waiting for that sound of the chainsaw. And we're just waiting for him to do it. And we continue to wait and wait. And we start to notice that he's struggling a little bit. And he's fiddling with the buttons or however it works. And he's and just taking some time. And the climactic moment is over now. <laughs> and after a while, he turns to us and he says... I don't think I know how to use this thing. <laughs> and so he has to go all the way back into the camp, find the camp owner, bring him back to our tree and have him work the chainsaw for him. So the owner comes back and he, he turns the chainsaw on right, right away. He didn't have any issues. It was perfectly fine. And he cuts down our tree for us. And we had a beautiful tree and we brought it home. But I just love this story because I think it's a great example of what, of how uncomfortable honesty can be sometimes and how humbling it can be sometimes and how awkward it can be sometimes. And I think that we should just expect that. I don't think it's supposed to be comfortable for us to admit the things that we want the Lord to change in us. I don't think it's supposed to be. And I think that that's okay because... God cares a whole lot more about our character than he does about our comfort. And he's willing to put us in places in our lives where we're a little bit uncomfortable. But those places will bring us to a new place. Those places will bring us to a place of more fullness and more completeness. And so he will bring you to those places if you're willing to go there. I know that honesty is something that is hard for me. And so I've as I've been... Preparing for this day, I've really just been trying to practice. I've been trying to practice honesty with the Lord. And so, in my times with Him, instead of telling Him how I think I should feel, I've just been trying to tell Him how I actually feel about things. And instead of trying to talk about what I think I've got down, I just tell Him what I really don't. And I'll tell you that it's just been the most intimate times with Him. It's just been the most precious times with Him. And He's He's shown himself to me in ways that I didn't know him before. And he's shown me that he's so much bigger than what's inside. He's so much bigger than what I think is undefeatable. And that he's so willing to change me. And he so desires that. And so I hope that we would just have the courage to just let Jesus see the real us. To just let him see it. Because it's his joy to see us for who we really are. And the last step... To this process is obedience. It was for Peter. He had to hear Jesus's words. He had to admit them and know that they were true. And then he just had to hand his feet over to the Lord. He had to take an action. Obedience is just simply submitting to the work that Christ wants to do in our lives and agreeing that it must be done. Obedience is simply responding to the Lord in whatever way he has asked us to. It's responding to the things that he's doing in our hearts. It's saying, what next? What should I do? I've recently been through a small process of obedience with the Lord. The ID students I have recently started going to the gym. And we've only been going for a couple months And when I'm working out, I do, I work hard and I sweat and I feel the burn, but only kind of. So when it really starts to hurt and when it really starts to sweat, I'm just done, you know, we're good. And the Lord really revealed to me that that is a really clear reflection of my spiritual condition, that in my walk with him and in my willingness to be changed by him, I will go. And I will feel the burn, but only kind of. And once it really starts to require something of me, and once it really starts to get uncomfortable, I'm done. And the Lord showed me that I wasn't fully committed to the process He wanted me to ta- wanted to take me through. That I wasn't all in. And so He's very simply asked me to respond in two ways. And the first way is simply he's asked me to up the weight at the gym. He's asked me to physically lift some more weight. And i realized that I can lift a whole lot more than I thought I could. And he's also shown me that this is just a great physical example of what spiritual endurance could look like. And the second thing that he asked me to do was up the weight spiritually. And what I mean by that is he just asked me to be a little bit more faithful in my everyday things a little bit more faithful and committed to my schoolwork, a little bit more faithful and committed to my devotion time with him, a little bit more faithful in my relationships. And as I've done that, he really has taught me what it means to be a more committed follower follower of him. It's just those baby steps, those small things that we will do to take action and commit to the work that Jesus wants to do in us and say, yes, it does need to be done It's baby steps. It's just saying yes to the little things or the big things. But it's just a small process of obedience. And I want to end with this. I just want us to go away knowing that the Lord has no intention on giving up on us. He wants us to be healed more than we want us to be healed. He wants us to be brought into completion more than we want us to be brought into completion because he loves us, he really, really does. And so if today, if there's been anything that the Lord has brought up in your heart that he wants you to pay attention to, I would encourage you to just pay attention to it. The worship team is going to come up and I want us to take a moment together. And this is gonna be the one moment out of many moments that you will have with the Lord. But I want us to just take some time to ask the Lord, what would it be? What does he want us to pay attention to and be honest about in our hearts? So if we would just take a moment to close our eyes and let's just ask the Lord to reveal something, reveal something about our hearts that he wants to mold and that he wants to work in us. Mm. If God has revealed something to you, I would encourage you to just have the courage to write it down. Have the courage to keep it out in front of you and commit it to the Lord. And know that he is committed to you. And he is committed to the work that he wants to do in your hearts. And so if there is something today that he has revealed to you, don't forget it. And don't run from it. But just let the Lord work in you. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are so thankful that you are able to work in us. We're so thankful that you are willing to continue the process of healing in us. And I want to ask you to help me. Help me to commit more to the work that you want to do in my heart. And I thank you for your love and the gift that you have given us every single day and your openness for relationship. We love you so much. In your name, amen. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.